Welcome to this week's edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me, as always, is Joe Healy. And we will later be joined by Navy coach Paul Kostakopoulos. We will be calling him Kosti the rest of the day. Uh, it's a little easier to say, and that's basically what everyone calls him anyway. So we are excited to have that interview coming up. Uh, of course, Army-Navy football game is this weekend, and so we're excited to be able to talk a little Army-Navy baseball uh, to get you fired up for the football game. Before we get to that, however, Joe, we are within two weeks from Christmas, uh, one of your favorite holidays, maybe your favorite holiday. Uh, where, where are you at in, in terms of, of preparations and excitement level? Yeah, my favorite holiday for sure. Um, I am doing well on Christmas shopping somehow in the, in the midst of moving across the country and getting set up in a new house and, and you know starting work here in the office. I was able to stay at least on schedule with Christmas shopping. I won't say ahead of time because a lot of it's been done in the last four or five days, I'll be honest. So um, it's really coming along. We got the tree up early, got the tree up before we ever officially moved in. Like we literally got the keys to the house and then started putting the tree up. Um, so we're excited about that. I've been on record on this podcast before. Don't need to cover that ground again, but I'm an early tree person, so that's no surprise there. So, um, you know, uh, feeling pretty good about it, excited about it. Um, certainly excited that, you know, um, not in the Midwest anymore where it's, you know, in the teens and cloudy at this time of year. Right now we've got like a, you know, probably in the forties and, and sunny outside here in Durham. So, uh, still feels like Christmas cause there's that, that chill in the air, but maybe not quite you know, your fingers are going to fall off kind of cold. <laughs> uh, certainly glad to not be dealing with that anymore. Joe is a little ahead of me in terms of, A, Christmas preparation just as a whole, but also Christmas shopping. And if you're a little more like me than like Joe and you're still looking, or even if you are like Joe and you're, you're mostly done, but, you know, you can, you can always add presents to people's, uh, you know, load. Uh, so if you're looking to to fill some stockings or to, to take up some space under the tree with the with some presents, I would encourage you to go over to store.baseballamerica.com. Uh, we can help you uh, fill out those uh, those to-do lists or cross things off, cross people off your, your, your gift list. There it is. That's what people call this, right? Um, <laughs> so we, we have a variety of things there. Of course, the, the magazine subscription itself for the baseball fan in your life and uh, I would also encourage you to, to check out Head of the Class, our new college baseball book that if you've been listening to the podcast, you've been hearing me talk about all fall. Uh, again, it covers the last four decades of college baseball, the best programs, the best players, the best teams from the last 40 years. So for the college baseball fan in your life or just for yourself, treat yourself, um, you can check that out and, and order it over at store.baseballamerica.com. We also, of course, have the prospect handbook that we are working uh, to finish here in the next week or so. That will not be under your tree for Christmas. Uh, again, we are, we are still working to finish that one. Uh, but you can go the, the coupon route or, or the, the IOU route or whatever, whatever you want to do with the, uh, with the handbook. But you can order that for, for the baseball fan in your life, whether they're, they're a prospect hound or trying to get ready for some deep dynasty league draft. Uh, whatever their experience is with the handbook, I, I'm sure they will appreciate that uh, as it has, you know, full scouting reports for the top 30 prospects in, in every system and much more. There's, there's so much in that book. Um, so that is available for pre-order at store.baseballamerica.com. Yeah, who among us hasn't had a, a gift in... Uh, you know, where you've had to do, you, you, or you, you go through buying it and you realize like, oh no, this is not getting here on time. I'm going to have to figure something else out or some other way to represent this gift under the tree or in a gift exchange or, or whatever it is. And so at least this time, whereas many times that's just, or at least has been my history, lackadaisical gift buying and being behind schedule, uh, at least this time, if you get the handbook and it is not ready for Christmas, you have a good reason why that is the case. It's true. And it will ship uh, sometime in the first several weeks of the new year, so it's not like they'll have to wait that long for it. Uh, and you won't have to, it won't be a case where like you have to scramble to do, it, do anything with it. It'll, it'll just come. It'll come in the mail. Um, it'll come right, right to your doorstep 
uh, just as uh, we, we love in, in the year 2019, or by that time, it will be, it will be 2020, um, which is kind of crazy to believe. Also, opening day, uh, two months away or so. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's freak out. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> but also, if you're, if you're just looking for, for a free gift that you can give to us, I suppose, more than anything, uh, although maybe your free gift to someone else is, is just telling them about the Baseball America po- College podcast, uh, which we would very much appreciate. But if you you want to give a gift to yourself or give a gift to us, uh, hit that subscribe button in whatever your favorite podcasting app is, and that's your present to yourself, uh, and also a little bit to us. But for you, that just means that you don't have to go looking for the podcast. It'll just come to you. Uh, we're an Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you want to listen to podcasts, you can find us. And as a gift to us, if you can rate and review us in that app, as they let you do, as Apple lets you do, and, and some of the other ones do, uh, we, we would very much appreciate that. We would love to hear from you. And it does help other people to find us, which again is uh, spreading the, the joy at, at a, the, the perfect time of year. Yeah, I would also do ask, make an additional ask of you, and that's if you are leaving a review. I think it, it would be kind of cool for us, just to, to be honest and to be selfish about it, it'd be kind of cool for us if you could, in your comment, you know, make sure we know that it's a college podcast-specific comment so we know what, what you like about the podcast or in the case that you have a little complaint, something that you don't like about the podcast. Um, and I think other hosts in the Baseball America podcast network, whether it's Kyle or someone else, would also appreciate the same if you're reviewing based on one of those other uh, versions of the show. So uh, we're certainly, you know, trying to to improve the podcast, trying to bring, you know, better and more podcasts to you. And certainly your feedback can can be a big part of that. So I would, if, if you are so inclined to leave us a review and we'd appreciate it, you know, help us out a little bit and be a little specific about this is, you know, uh, about the college podcast and, and here's what I have to say. Absolutely. Because if you don't, I'm just going to assume that it's about me. Yeah. So if you want to direct your, your criticism or, or your praise, I suppose, to Joe or to Kyle or to JJ or to Carlos, uh, make sure you're doing that because otherwise I just assume it's about me. Yeah, I mean, in the interest of self-care, <laughs> that might be, just be the best approach. It's just assuming all good things that get said are, are, directed, are directed your way. That's, that's, that's one way of going about it anyway. Uh, so you can get your Christmas shopping uh, jump-started or, or finish it off or whatever. Uh, over at store.baseballamerica.com or, again, on your, your favorite podcasting app. We would love to, to hear from you and, and to have you as a subscriber. So as you, you go about your business doing that, we are going to get to Navy coach Paul Kostakopoulos, who, again, is coming off of a very impressive season. The Navy midshipmen won 39 games and the Patriot League title. Noah Son was a Golden Spikes finalist and began his pro career in style. Um, so there's a lot to talk about with regards to Navy baseball, and we're going to get into that right now with Costi. Today on the Baseball America College podcast, we're very excited to welcome in Navy head coach Paul Costacopoulos. Uh, we are going to call you Costi from here on out, which is what I believe pretty much everyone calls you. Coach, how are you doing today? Great. How are you guys? Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful day. Like we were saying, December, it's a, it's a fun time in college baseball because you can actually take a step back for a minute, right? You know, there's no doubt. You know, you, you, uh, you, you have a chance to actually not be going, 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 and have a chance to uh, reconnect with some people and do some things. So December is always a good college baseball month, uh, you know, to catch up. Well, this last season, you guys... Uh, won 39 games, won the Patriot League regular season. Noah Son finished as a, a Golden Spikes finalist. It was, a, it was a very exciting 2019 season for the midshipmen. How do you now, as you, we look to 2020, reflect on 2019, and, and how do you uh, begin to follow that up in 2020? Well, you know, each season, and, you know, I've done this, you know, quite a few years, each season is uniquely different. And, you know, I think sometimes we can get caught uh, looking back, you know, um, and uh, kind of uh, getting stuck uh, in a, a season before when, when each year is new, the players have new personalities, people have new roles, uh, you know, everything changes, you know, there's, sometimes even the smallest of changes is a change. And uh, I think you offer each year with a, a fresh perspective. Um, and 
you really have to work in fall baseball to figure out, you know, what are the strengths of this team? You know, what, what do we do well? What do we need to work on? Uh, what is the personality of this team? You know, you know, what guys can you kind of push a little bit? What guys can you, you need to back off a little bit on? And, and you're constantly, constantly crafting that um, each and every year. And I think uh, as much as uh, we could look back at some success last year, uh, that's in the past. And, and we, have to, we have to retool this team and, and get ready to play for the 2020 season. Obviously, there was some big news for your program recently with the, uh, you know, the announcement that the Army and Navy Series is going to be played at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. It's kind of a two-part question. For one, just in general, what does that rivalry mean to you from a baseball standpoint? And then also, uh, what does this mean for the series that it's going to be in, in a place like Philadelphia in a big league park, you know, a place with a lot of history uh, in the city of Philadelphia? Well, first of all, the rivalry is... Um, you know, Army Navy almost uh, defines itself. Uh, you, you, when you, when someone says there's an Army Navy contest, and it doesn't matter in what sport, you know, um, I think it brings out the, you know, the best in, in, in both our our academies as far as uh, you know, competing that day, realizing uh, how important it is to um, to be successful that day, and 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 how important it is uh, to play to your maximum ability to give everything you have in, in baseball. It's a little different because it's, you know, we, I think we played army eight times last year. So, you know, it's a little different, um, but you got to go after it. And, and it means everything to our campuses, everything to, you know, um, here at Navy in Annapolis. And, and it means everything to them up at West point. And uh, I think um, when you've been here a while or you're, you're a midshipman, um, you realize this and, you know, from, from day one, I think the first thing that they, uh, say together uh, when they come into Plead Summers, beat Army. You know, um, that's, uh, that starts from the first day of their indoctrination. So it, it is a, it's an, a, a, a very uh, respectful uh, rivalry. Um, this is not a rivalry that's built out of dislike. It's, it's built out of admiration for each other. And um, I think that's what makes it so special that it, there is no, there's no villains in this rivalry. There is uh there's only admiration and, and respect, and eventually they're going to be on the same team, um, you know, when they graduate, because there's so many coordinated military efforts uh, that go into, you know, our national defense now that um, they're going to be teammates, and they know that too, you know, down the road. So, um, and having a chance to play in, uh, you know, uh, in, in a big league ballpark, in a, in a, in a big series um, is just incredible, and the city of Philadelphia has been such a friend to army and Navy. I mean, it has hosted a majority of the army Navy football games. Um, we've gotten into hosting um, our army Navy soccer game and, and now we're coming up there for baseball. So I think the city of Philadelphia, you know, likes, you know, hosting these things. They seem to want to do it. Um, certainly the Phillies organization is incredible in, uh, allowing two days in a professional park, uh, to play. I mean, I don't know how many professional, um, organizations would do that. So, uh, it's a heartfelt thanks to the Phillies organization, you know, for, for making this happen. Yeah. That back to back days is, is, I think it might be unique. You, you see some one-offs you've played one-offs against them before in Fenway and, and, and uh, Camden, but the, the back to back days, I, I feel like that might be a unique, a u- unique thing this year. <laughs> It, it really is. And, and again, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, just the fact that they would do that for the series just tells me there's a little something more uh, in the city of Philadelphia for the Army Navy, uh, you know, rivalry series, uh, you know, in all sports. And I, I, I think that kind of shows, like you said, in that second day, you know, offering that second day to, you know, finish the series. You and Army coach Jim Foster have a history as well. You, you having coached him at, at Providence, what, uh, what's that brought, what has that dimension brought to the series the last few years since he got to Army as the head coach? You know, it's it, it kind of the same thing that, that I had, uh, you know, alluded to before, you know, um, just a lot of admiration. And, and quite frankly, on, on a very personal side, uh, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of a little bit of pride. You know, the two Providence College guys, meaning I was a you know I was a graduate there, and and, and Jimmy was a, a tremendous player. Um, I had the opportunity to coach him, and uh, you know, here we are, you know, competing against each other in a in an 
you know, a, a heightened situation. Army, Navy, uh, you know, both have the privilege, if you will, of, of uh, you know, coaching at two of the finest institutions in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, we kind of, we came from the same little corner of the world. And I think that uh, there's there's always something ab- about that, um, that there's that sense of, of a little extra emotion to it. Um, you know, we're going to go at it like, you know, like anything there's, you know, it's a competition side, but at the end of the day, you're going to see both guys, you know, shake hands, give a hug and wish everybody the best and ask about our families. And, you know, we've always done that. So that's, that's how we'll continue to be. More broadly, your program's on a great run of success here. 37 or more wins in each of the last five years, in addition to Patriot League, at least a share of the Patriot League title in each of those five years as well. What would you point to as the key to that level of consistency, uh, which is pretty rare, um, you know, not just given what, what you have at, at the Naval Academy, but also just to the mid-major level as a whole? Yeah, you know, I think, with, you know, I, I, it really starts with, um, you know, with certainly with the players and, and um, you know, quite frankly, the coaching staff, but primarily the assistant coaches. You know, if you look at the uh, near-term success that we've had in the last five years or so, um, you know, just a great, uh, assistant coach and, and Jeff Kane, who's who's done a, a great job with the hitters. Um, coach Bob Applegate done a great job with the with the pitchers. I think a synergy uh, among us all of of working together. Um, I think has created a a constant kind of model of what we want to do. And and let's face it, it's players. You know, um, the players make the difference. And and uh, we've had a good run of of uh, of players. Uh, not only. I think, uh, you know, the really outstanding player, we've also had a lot of really solid players who do their job and they do what they're supposed to and um, they take great pride in it. And I think that's really been, uh, you know, been the key, I think, uh, to to our success and and just just really kind of old fashioned stuff, just working together, just understanding that everyone's got a role, everyone's got a, a, a job to do. Um, our success is going to come in our collective effort, not our individual performances. Um, we're, we're not concerned um, in, in a, a big way with accolades. You know, we, we, we just want to have a rowdy locker room at the end of a game, meeting, being happy about, you know, what we've, what we've achieved together. And I think, I think that has worked really well for us. And, and this is the type of environment guys that it can work because that's what we want to do. I think, you know, uh, within the military context here is we want to create a team first at all cost mentality. And I, I think, you know, we hope we, we work on that constantly trying to make that a reality here. Noah Son put together a season for the ages uh, last year, 11 and one, 144, 161 strikeouts and in, in 94 innings. What was that like watching that all transpire at th- this past spring? Anytime Noah took the mound. Uh, it, it was really, you know, many people have asked that question and, uh, it was, it was a very strange feeling, um, when Noah pitched and, and you think, geez, what's he saying? It's a strange feeling. Cause you know, my, my personality is one of, of, of kind of an intense, um, look at pregame and intense look during a game. And i tell you when Noah was on the, on the field, I almost stepped back and just wanted to enjoy watching him throw. And, and, and you know, I can't say that I, I've done that an awful lot because, like I said, my personality dictates more of the that kind of edginess. Um, but when he threw, I was I just it was a joy to watch him pitch. And um, he also did just did so much for the team. I mean, you know, complete games, um, winning close games. Uh, never, never got flustered and his, his, his stuff on days, at least, you know, what I saw was unhittable. And, 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 and you kind of know that after the first inning that this team is probably not going to get more than one run against them today. So you kind of had that in you too, but it was just, it was a joy, you know, to watch him pitch, um, watch him pitch throughout four years, but really his senior year. You mentioned that feeling. Was that? Did you get that feeling with Luke Gillingham a few years ago? Because Luke had a, a phenomenal career as well, and in some ways, you know, depending on what me, what stats you're looking at, he might have been even better at times than Noah was. Luke was the same exact way. Um, 
the same exact just control of the game. Um, uh, Luke was a little different in that he had a little more artful way to do it. Not that Noah wasn't artful, but Noah could sit there and just say, I'm going to throw this thing right on the outside third of the plate and you're not going to hit it. Um, Luke wasn't quite like that, but he had an arsenal of a, of a tremendous changeup early. You know, he, he could bump the ball by, he could bury the, the back foot breaking ball. He could do all those things. And so he was kind of like the, the more of the artist watching, but it was a similar feeling. You, you, you just enjoy watching people that have that kind of talent um, perform. One more thing on, on Noah, I wanted to ask you, I wrote something I wrote about your program a few years ago. I remember you telling me that, you, you know, you said if, if when he was a freshman coming into his freshman season that, you know, if he can kind of deal with the rigors of being here at the Naval Academy, which is an adjustment for first year, um, he can be really, really special. I'm curious what you saw in his recruitment that kind of led you to believe that he could be special, which he obviously, you know, was incredibly special, probably maybe even beyond what you expected. But I'm curious what you saw early on that led you to believe that. I think it wasn't so much in his recruitment, uh, you know, because sometimes it's really hard to tell. Uh, even today, as long as I've done this here, I can never really tell what guy is going to truly thrive here and what guy may not, at least athletically. But what impressed me, and I still remember this, uh, he had a rough plebe summer. Uh, plebe summer is indoctrination program. Um, it's kind of like boot camp, although not truly a boot camp. So they come in, and he had a real tough six weeks here. You know, it was just tough adjustment, tough physically for him. Um, you know, everything didn't come easy and I was really kind of concerned about him I remember walking across left field with him one day and, and kind of talking yeah here you all right no are you going to be all right and he looked right at me almost right through me somewhat insulted almost I'm going to be fine coach <laughs> and I said I know we're good you know what I mean like for a freshman to you know like kind of deadpan look at me and say I'm going to be fine here I knew he had someone, and uh, he turned out to be every bit of that. You uh, you mentioned plebe summer there. There are a lot of things that you have to do at an academy that you know at a different place you, you wouldn't have to do. I you know some of that stuff though. I ha I have to imagine, um, you know, you might you might wonder is this good for the player just on a baseball perspective? But obviously they're doing a lot more than than just baseball at the academy. How do you go about balancing like the workloads that they have because they're they're training versus the the baseball side of that? You know, it, it's it's really tricky. And going back to the first part of you know what we had talked about, each team is different, and how they handle that workload, um, you know, how they go about their business. I think when you look at if you looked at this from the outside looking in, and and you weren't part of the daily process of it you'd wonder how it's done um, they take 18 credit hours all difficult courses you know calculus one calculus two the science courses etc um, there's 18 hours right right there um, they they have various military obligations during the week um, that take up another bunch of time um, of course they have athletics um, their day there's just not a minute in their day that isn't consumed by something and um the uh, the player, you, you have to keep a watchful eye on that. You need to communicate with the players as coaches, you know, uh, how are we doing, you know, how they feel, because like you said, the, of the workload that, that is. So it, it just boils down to communication and, and kind of that general respect for what they're doing. Um, but at the same time, and this is, this is probably what I have learned the most about being here, you, the standards can never change. They never can change. And I love these kids because they understand that. They know the standards do not change. Regardless of how hard they had to study, regardless of what their military obligations are, regardless if Costi was uh, you know, tough on them that day at practice, the standards of achieving at the highest level never, ever change. And uh, I think that's what describes um, you know, a midshipman. They know it. They know they need to get there. They know when they fall short. And uh, that's, that's, that's how we roll here. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of unique, but it is, it is a challenge, um, you know, day to day here. 
We spent some time talking about some pitchers that have had outstanding individual performances and in Noah's Song and Luke Gillingham. But really, I mean, to be fair, pitching has really been kind of a calling card of those these last five seasons. You know, every each of those five teams had team ERAs under four. What do you think has allowed your pitchers to excel like they have over that period of time beyond just kind of the two guys that, that we've talked about? You know, I, I it's, it's a good question. We've had good pitching over time here. Um, and, um, you know, certainly the last five years uh, under Coach Applegate, we have really, I think, excelled. You know, I want to be careful, but I, I do. I think we've excelled. And if you can keep that number under four, um, you're doing a good job. Um, so I think a lot of that credit goes to, to him. Um, I also think we do, you know, we do have a, a, a little bit of a, a recruiting philosophy in the sense that, um, you know, we are not afraid to go after and, and recruit kids and develop them. You know, we don't feel like that high pressure, geez, we offered that guy, a ton, you know, we don't have any scholarships here. We offered that guy a ton of scholarships, a ton of scholarship money, which may happen at a civilian school. And then, really worry whether he's impacting the program right away. So we do take some guys, we do develop them. They do come along slow. No one, uh, Luke Gillingham was very pedestrian his freshman and sophomore year. Um, uh, a, a bunch of guys that um, I could list kind of average guys, freshmen and, and sophomore years that eventually were, you know, uh, pitchers of the year or, you know, what have you. So we do put that in our recruiting and we don't feel the pressure uh, boy, we better have a superstar freshman year or this isn't going to work out <laughs> type thing. So I think a combination of, of those things. As we look to 2020 now, obviously the team's going to be different. You, you mentioned each team is different, but what, what do you think a successful 2020 midshipman team looks like? I, I, you know, I, I, as every coach probably will tell you, there's got to be some balance. You know, you got to uh, be able to have a, a lineup that works one through nine and, and we need, um, you know, we have four returning um, senior, you know, starting seniors who I think are, are going to share in a lot of that responsibility of making our offense go. Um, you know, Zach Biggers is a four-year starter. Mike Koritz, our shortstop is a three-year starter. Jake Williamson um, st- has, has started for four years and Evan Lowry has started for three. So those guys need to um, take on the responsibility of having a, you know, a really solid year for us, you know, from an offensive perspective. I think some of the younger guys will come on um, and gravitate off of how those guys do. We have to continue to play good defense. You know, we talk a lot about, well, we have talked a lot about our pitching and rightfully so, but our defense is right behind it. We make, you know, relatively, and I think we're sixth or seventh in the country in fielding percentage. Not a tremendous stat, but at least it gives us an idea that we play pretty good defense here, and we have to continue to do that. Um, you know, I think our shortstop made like, I don't know, maybe five errors last year, which is unheard of. I don't know that he made an error in conference play. <laughs> so, um, you know, just kind of making consistent plays and continuing to, you know, to play the game fundamentally uh, well. Um, pitching staff, I do think, has some questions. We have to get uh, Jared Lean's. Um, you know, uh, in a, in a more prominent role, Charlie Connolly, who has a ton of ability. Um, you know, we got to get more in the strike zone and be a consistent starter. Uh, Tommy Goodridge, uh, same thing. Um, and we also, you know, we think we have a really good, I think a really good closer type in Trey Brathwaite, who has a sophomore, uh, you know, had 10 saves and was the reliever of the year in the, in the league. And he was one of those guys, um, that we talked about, he had one inning, his sophomore, excuse me, his freshman year, and went on to really develop. So um, I think, you know, it's balance. It's, it's pitching, it's hitting, it's defense, and, and uh, you know, and it's going to be that way, all, you know, as long as baseball is around. That's, that's, that's what it is. I'm always curious kind of how, uh, to use a phrase, how the sausage is made when, when a coach is building up a program. And so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the three places you've been. You've had success in, in three different places, in Providence and Maine and, and now the Naval Academy. Um, obviously, I think we're familiar with some of the, uh, the intricacies of, of building up a program at a place like Navy. Um, but I'm curious what you feel like the commonalities are in getting to a, a level of success at those three places. What, what do those three situations have in common that, you know, you could take to, to just about any program you were looking to build and have success at? Yeah, um... I think, you know, something that never, ever, ever changes, no matter what kind of metrics we get, 
no matter what kind of video schemes we're able to look at, um, whatever the advances have been in baseball, and there's been a ton, and, and certainly in the last 10 years, it, it, it doesn't change. This game scheme is this game scheme, and it's bringing in players that are going to play hard, that they're, they're going to have a process of toughness in them. And I have preached this for about, about 30 years. Um, toughness to me isn't whether you, you know, run through a brick wall. You know what I mean? That's, you know, that's a physical toughness. Uh, but process of toughness, can you come out each and every day with the goal of trying to get better, trying to improve, trying to be a better version of yourself than you were the day before? Um, can you do this sometimes at the expense of um, your own personal time, the expense sometimes of, of uh, what you would like to do uh, in your free time? Um, and, and you have to be willing to sacrifice that and you have to be willing to work hard, but finally, and, and kind of most importantly, um, and this isn't to me just here is that, you know, the team, the, 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 the team is, is the most important thing. All your decisions, um, although personal in, 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 in a lot of cases, they still, they still are trumped by what is best for our unit and what is best for our team and what works for, for the particular team that we have. So it, it almost is, I, I wish I could be more profound about that, but that's, that's what it, it is. And then it's about recruiting and it's about getting a good staff in place. Um, uh, it's about having a vision. It's about having a culture that, um, that you believe in and, and it's the right thing. And, and you hold the line on that culture and those standards and, you know, it's, it's no different than I think, you know, what a lot of great coaches, and, and I don't put myself in that category, but what a lot of great coaches do, you know, that you see year in, year out, have the great success they do in the college game. Costa, we've covered a lot of ground today. I just have one more question for you before we let you out of here, and that is I need an Army-Navy football prediction for, uh, for, for this year. Oh, that, that – Actually, that is that is. I, I thought that might be the first question that we would come up with. Um, I am feeling really good right now. Uh, this is a this is a. I am feeling great about Navy. We got a, a, a really special quarterback, and I, you know, of course I'm, you know, out of my lane. But he is he is really really special player, and uh, they've had such a phenomenal year. I'm going with the midshipmen. Um, but it will be a battle. It'll be close. But I'm going with the midship. Outstanding. Well, we will be looking forward to watching that game. It's always a always a spectacle, and I'm excited to see what uh, what the the baseball series looks like in Philadelphia this spring. That was uh, that was really cool scenes at, at Fenway and at Camden a couple of years ago. So hopefully we can uh, get a repeat of that in Philadelphia this spring. Guys, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and listening to me banter for a half hour. Or so um, and. Uh, I, I did want to say something. I, I really appreciate what you guys do. But, you know, I haven't been in college athletics or baseball for a long time. And, and watching how, you know, it has, has grown and gotten bigger and bigger. And, and uh, quite frankly, Baseball America, what you guys do, has a lot to do with that. So just from, a, from an old, old guy in the, in, the, in the profession, I really appreciate what you guys do. Well, thank you so much, Coach. We, yeah. we, always, uh, we always appreciate it when, when we hear people say things like that, but you guys are out there doing the really hard work, and we're, we're just happy to be able to write about it. Well, thanks. Have a, have a great holiday season. Again, to Costi for joining us here on the College Podcast. Joe, you were, were very interested in hearing from him about his program-building skills. Obviously, he's done a great job of that at Navy. Uh, before that at Maine and, and at Providence. And um, Navy has really been uh, one, one of the most consistent programs, you know, certainly in the Patriot League and, and among the service academies, but kind of you know, low-key nationally. They've, uh, they, they've been at a very high level here for the last five, six, seven years at least. And you know, so w what stood out to you from, from him in, in regards to that? Yeah, I wasn't surprised to hear him say it, um, but you know, it was inter interesting to hear him talk about you know, the unique challenges of coaching at the Naval Academy and having success at the Naval Academy, but at the same time, you know, talking about you know, he is who he is as a coach and as a program builder, 
Um, and that applies whether he was coaching at Navy or at his previous stops at, at Providence and Maine. So uh, the proof is in the pudding there. Uh, certainly, as we talked about, you know, five, at least a share of the Patriot League title in each of the last five years. I think it's 36 or more wins each of the last five years. Obviously, a player like Noah Song, not to mention all of the All-Patriot League performers they've had. Um, you know, he had success at, at Maine. Uh, had success at Providence, which is a program that, that unfortunately, even though it was having success, was shuttered some time ago. Um, so three different places, three places that are not necessarily traditionally the easiest places uh, to win at, even though, you know, Maine had its time in the heyday as a College World Series regular, but that was, you know, a different time in college baseball. But, but you know, obviously they have challenges too being in those places. So um, he's just been a really consistent winner everywhere he's gone and, and what he's accomplished uh, at Navy certainly uh, qualifies that as well. Not an easy place to win on paper, but he's managed to do it and do it in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the the team has the team got a lot of recognition last year because of Noah Song. And when you are a Golden Spikes finalist and strike out 160 batters and 90 whatever innings, um, I have that in front of me. I don't know why I'm. <laughs> well, I'm trying to spitball Noah's stats, but when, when, you, when you have the season that he had, you gain a lot of notoriety. But the program is, was much more than him and is much more than him now that he's gone. They're not going to take some massive step back just because their ace uh, graduated and is now either in pro ball or flight school, depending on how the, uh, the waiver process for his... Um, deferment or whatever they're going to do with with military service potential there he the, the point is he is no longer going to be playing baseball at the naval academy but they should not be we shouldn't be looking at navy taking a big step back in 2020 they're, that they've still got a lot of talent coming back costi went over some of those guys um you know zach bigger stands out to me as one of the the key guys coming back and you know, that all speaks to the job that they have done there developing. And, you know, we mentioned it a little bit in the interview, Luke Gillingham, like he was not at the level of Noah Son because he wasn't the kind of prospect Noah Son was. But if you look statistically, I mean, the strikeouts are one thing that Son has and that speaks to his stuff. But like, if you look at, um, you know, just ERA and, and, and whip and, and some some of those kinds of stats, like Luke Gillingham's just as good. And, you know, he, he was really incredible for them before Noah, uh, you know, developed into that kind of star. And so they're doing a good job there building uh, a pitching staff, not just, you know, developing a star here or there. And I, I think that all of that is, is a big part of why they've had the consistent success and why you look at it and, and you're, you're looking at a team that is set up to, to continue uh, that kind of, of success on the field moving forward. Yeah, they've, I mean, the pitching has been a particular point of emphasis for them, that ERA under four each of those last five years, too. And, and that's, um, that might not strike you as, as dazzling numbers, but, you know, for one, we're talking college baseball here. And, and then for two, I mean, at the mid-major level, like, that's, that's really good. That's good stuff. I mean, typically you're not getting not just ERA, staff ERAs, you know, in the threes, all that often, but also the consistency year to year to do that every single year. Um, the pitching should be pretty good again uh, this coming season. I mean, Jared Lines and Charlie Connolly are back. Those, that was two-thirds of the rotation. So while Song is gone, they are not without uh, veterans who have succeeded on a high level uh, for Navy. So certainly uh, not a program that's going away uh, in any way, shape, or form in 2020. Yeah, and Navy, as a service academy, the the challenges they're facing aren't unique. You know, Army and Air Force are facing them in, in a similar or exact way, you know, depending on what precisely we're talking about. But there are significant challenges that they're facing. Um, you know, there, it, it's a certain, it takes a certain kind of player to want to go play for them, knowing what's coming at the end of, of, of your time at, at the academy. And so I, I think that it's just very impressive that they are able to do what they do, and it's a, a huge credit, um, you know, to to Costi and, and to everyone involved with the Naval Academy program that they're able to do this. And um, you know, so the the consistency 
in the face of that is really what stands out to me. It's just not that it's popping up here or there, but that year in and year out, despite the fact that their players aren't really able to play summer ball for more than a week or two because they have a lot of summer commitments, because you know they have this intense class schedule that he was talking about, and also like the physical side of what they go through is rather intense as well. Um, all of that stuff is not designed to create on-field baseball success, and it shouldn't be because the mission at that school is, is far greater uh, than, than baseball. And you know, you hear coaches talk about um, you know wanting to build a culture that, that's bigger than baseball and, and all the rest of that. And well, maybe they don't really have to work at that. That that's all just baked into the whole thing. That's why they're there. And you know, so there's a lot to be said about that, but it also means that baseball truly is not the most important thing for any of them and you know that that is a challenge on the field but navy uh has consistently been able to overcome that and, and it's just really been so impressive to to watch them as a program uh and, and specifically this 2019 team was was did a uh, a very impressive job with all of that and obviously having a true ace at the front of your rotation is uh is a big part of why that happens yeah, there's no, the consistency is a thing because there's really, at, at a place like Navy, it's also true of the other academies, there's really no quick fix. I mean, they're not, they're not looking around at junior college players or the, the graduate transfers if they have a hole to fill. Like, that's just not an option for them. Um, and so you would expect that, you know, if, if, if they had some misses in recruiting or if they just, the players don't develop like they expect them to develop, I mean, they're, they're, it's very easy to bottom out there just because they have to be very on schedule with all of that. There's no, there's no cutting corners at a, at a place like Navy. So just the fact that there's been no, you know, they, they haven't finished worse than fourth in the Patriot League since 2010. Um, so it's been a long time since they've really had anything that you would kind of consider a, a bottoming out. And that's it's really, really impressive. And, you know, we, we were able to talk a little bit of, about this with Costi due to some uh, fortuitous timing there with... Um, the Army-Navy series getting announced that it will be held uh, at the Philly Citizens Bank Park next April. And I just love that that is happening so much. Uh, you know, being able to, to see Army and Navy play a doubleheader at Camden Yards a couple years ago was absolutely one of my favorite experiences covering college baseball, just knowing what that rivalry means, knowing what the with the players on the field have coming to them after uh, their college careers, just knowing what, what the, the academies mean in general. It, it, was, it was a fantastic experience, and I'm so glad to see that it again is getting elevated to a big league stage. I, I think that anything um, you know, like that is, is absolutely fantastic for, for the players, um, you know, for, for everyone involved in the program. Uh, and, and so absolutely shouts to the Phillies for making it happen, not just for a game, but for a whole series. Uh, I think that that's going to be a fantastic experience there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it, I think it's, I think people will turn out for this. I think there's an interest in stuff like this. Um, the, the, that rivalry specifically, I think, is kind of uniquely positioned to uh, draw people um, because the, the rivalry resonates with me, it resonates with you, and, and neither of us, obviously, um, served. So that's, I think that just kind of um, helps to show that there's an interest in this beyond people who have histories with those, with those academies. The, the history of the football game obviously plays into it. And I think um, it being in Philadelphia, I think helps too. I mean, that's a city with um, so much history uh, in, our, in our country. And so it's kind of closely tied to the histories of the academies and of uh, Army and Navy as, as entities. So I think all of that will help uh, quite a bit. Um, I think, and it, it'll be a, a good series. It'll be good baseball there. I mean, we talked about Navy uh, being prepared to compete again in 2020. I think the same will be uh, true of Army, and these are going to be two teams that um, I think are going to be right up near the top of the Patriot League again next season. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the, the Pat League takes four teams to their tournament. These are two of those teams. I think Lehigh can be really competitive with the pitching that they have, but I think you're looking at two of the absolute uh, contenders for for the the Patriot League crown again, and, and so yeah, it'll just be April. But this is going to have implications because those head-to-head matchups mean so much. And 
you know, the rivalry in Philadelphia, you know, they've hosted the football game more often than anyone. Um, and so I, I think that there, there's a lot that resonates there. And anything that can be done to lift this rivalry up in baseball, I think, is, is good and um, should absolutely be commended and done. In football, it means so much. And, you know, you see people around the country reacting to it. Um, you know, they probably don't really watch much Army and Navy football throughout the year. I know I do that. I, 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 I watched part of Army Michigan earlier this season. Otherwise, I don't think I've seen either one of these academies play, but I'm definitely in, going to be paying attention uh, on Saturday to the football game. And I think that from a baseball perspective, the, the same thing can absolutely be achieved, obviously, on a smaller level um, because college baseball is not college football. Uh, but but I think that everyone has so much respect for what the the academies mean, for what the kids on the field are doing, and what they're going to be doing after their college careers end, and anything that can be done to to celebrate them and provide them, you know, the the best experience possible on the baseball field. Uh, you know, I think we absolutely should be uh, you know trying to take advantage of. I mentioned the football game. Uh, Joe, I know I, growing up, it was something that I always watched. It was the only football game going at the time. And, um, you know, back in the pre-cable days, obviously your, your football options were, were a little limited anyway. And um, we, we didn't get cable until pretty late. So I was, I was always dealing with a little bit of a deficit there. So I, I always very much enjoyed tuning into the game every December. And, um, you know, I think that, that we're both in agreement with Costi and, and with Vegas that, that Navy is, is probably going to win this game. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of a joke to say you can throw the records out in a rivalry game, but, but not, not so much, it's not so much of a joke in, in this rivalry, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, you look back at the recent history of this game, and uh, Navy in more years than not has been the better team. Army had some, some really, truly bad teams there for a while, and, and typically the games were pretty close. Now, part of that is that you know, uh, Navy has, for as long as uh, Ken Niamatololo has been there, has run an offense that is um, kind of keeps scores relatively low by design. There's just not a lot of possessions in a game because they are they are running the football uh, almost exclusively. So um, I'm like you. I you know watched this game as a as a kid and growing up, and and it was you know it was in large part in the beginning just because it was the only game on, and I was just kind of desperate for college football and. I've always kind of college football has more appealed to me more so than the NFL uh, for for my entire life, and so I was always drawn to that. But as time went on, it it became more than that, and it became more interesting as Navy really started to get good under Niamatololo, and I really appreciated watching their offense because, you know, this was a time as he was really getting Navy going was at a time when the spread offense was really becoming in vogue. And it was more and more teams were using some version of spread or air raid or something like that that was throwing the ball more often, and they were going in the opposite direction. So, um, you know, at a certain point, it kind of became neat to see that offense and see Navy playing really, really well. Um, but they were always good games. They were always close games. And now um, Army under Jeff Munkin has, has improved quite a bit. Uh, this year they struggled a bit to, uh, they are coming in at five and seven. Um, so, you know, I, I think Navy's going to win this. I'm with Costi on that. I think it'll probably be seven to ten points or so. Um, but I expect it to be a hard-fought and close game because, you know, Army's one year removed from being really, really good. Uh, there's still talent there. And like we said, this is always a close game, even when the talent discrepancy is, is pretty great. Yeah, and it, it's, it's just one of those games that, like, it always seems to come down to it, and, and especially true now that they're both running the option, which makes it a little harder for one team to pull away from the other. So uh, definitely going to be watching that this weekend, and I would very much encourage everyone um, who can, who's in the Philadelphia area, I guess, to, to you know, look into uh, attending the, the, the baseball series in April. And, and I, I think that it's what, what I saw in Baltimore when, when they were playing the doubleheader, seeing the pomp, you know, the, there were – there's a group of naval cadets that came out for the game. I'm sure that's going to be true. Maybe this time from both schools, since it's a full weekend, um, they they did a great job of putting it on, and I'm sure the Phillies will, will do, and, and I hope they they do. But everyone in the city of Philadelphia, you know, fully understands what 
what the Army-Navy rivalry is because they, they've had the, the football experience for so long. So I'm, I'm very much uh, hopeful that, that the, we get another big league experience um, this spring when, when Army and Navy uh, square off in Philadelphia. Now, I mentioned we had some news, or, or we had this news with, with the Army-Navy game. Joe, we also had another piece of news come out recently, and that is that the MLB draft is going to move from its home uh, of the last 10 or so years in Secaucus, New Jersey, and MLB Network Studios to Omaha. And with that location change, they're also going to move the, the draft date. It had been scheduled um, for a Monday, it is now moving back to Wednesday and the whole Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, leading up to the College World Series. Uh, day one now is going to only be the first round, and that is what is going to be originating from Omaha. Um, this is something that MLB has wanted to do for many years now, and the NCAA has, previous to this, uh, kind of stood in their way and you know, yes, MLB could have put it in Omaha at any time. They didn't need the NCAA's consent, but they just never felt like it was worth um, wrecking the relationship over this. And also they're hoping for a little more cooperation from the NCAA in terms of getting the eight teams um, that are in Omaha to the draft to, to be a part of it in some way. And it, it seems that those negotiations have finally paid off and, and that that will be the case in 2020. If you look, you'll find a lot of people that say this is a no-brainer, that this is absolutely a great thing for both events. I don't think it really is much of a difference maker either way, whether we're talking about for the World Series uh, or for the draft. Uh, the draft deals with many um, Challenges that other leagues drafts don't deal with in terms of making them events starting with the fact of course that uh, even the first overall pick uh, Is going to start at the lowest levels of the minor leagues and you'll see him in the big leagues in a couple years And, and that's an impact on fan interest. There's just no way around that um, but it is nice to see them trying something uh, because the studio show in Secaucus, um, you know, they, they've tried to beef it up in the last few years, and I went now, I guess, what, five or six years ago. Um, and there's energy in the building, but they, it, it, at the end of the day, it's just a TV show, and now maybe it's going to try and become something else. Um, I can get deeper into my thoughts later, but Joe, uh, what, what did you think of the news, and uh, is this something that moves the needle for you? I think it does for me just from the standpoint of, I mean, we've just had some really awkward scenes in college baseball with, when the draft coming the Monday of, of what ends up being the Monday with regional game sevens. Um, so we've had some, I, the, you, you wrote about it, but a particularly awkward evening. Uh, it was the University of Florida, right? Correct. correct, yeah. yeah. Florida, Florida was playing a regional final in 2018 against FAU. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jonathan India got drafted while he was um, warming up before like the third inning, maybe taking ground balls and he heard about it because somebody yelled at him from the stands that the Reds just drafted him. Um, Brady Singer wasn't pitching that day, so he was able to monitor it a little better by like wandering back and forth between the dugout and the clubhouse where his parents were. Um, so he knew what was going on a little bit, but he also got drafted during that game. Uh, they actually had to play doubleheader that night because FAU beat Florida to force an if necessary game seven. And uh, so in between the games, Jackson Coar got popped. And then during the second game of the night, Tyler Frank, FAU shortstop, gets drafted in, in the second round. And uh, so all of that was strange. And, you know, Tyler Frank after the game, you know, he's, he, his season's over. But he also got drafted, a lot of strange emotions there. Like I talked with Brady on the field that day. Um, and because Brady is so chill, like it didn't, re he at least didn't let on that it bothered him in any way that that's how it went down. But he also, of course, had the good fortune of having pitched like two or three days before. So he was, uh, I guess he pitched on Saturday and it was a Monday. So he'd pitched two days before. So he 
he was minimally, um, you know, he wasn't on the field at the time. So he was able to, to be a little more detached in, in that aspect. But it wasn't great. And then, of course, everyone remembers Dansby Swanson getting drafted first overall five minutes after Vanderbilt beats Illinois to advance to Omaha in 2015. And um, as Tim Corbin will tell you, that made for a unique experience um, that, like, the, the scenes of that are, you know, pretty well burned into my memory. And, like, I think they're going to be replayed for a really long time. But that's, like, ten minutes away from being really awkward, right? Like, you could have the first overall pick still playing a game. And so obviously none of that is good. And by moving the draft date, we're solving that problem. Um, but if you rewind it, even 20 years, Pat Burrow gets drafted first overall while standing on deck at the College World Series. That's how far both of these events have come since Burrow gets, gets drafted. I believe that was 98 that that happened. So um, you know, very, very good that we're moving past that. So that is absolutely the best thing about this is that no one should be playing that night. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. That's the biggest thing for me, and that's where my mind went immediately because it's just, you mentioned Tyler Frank, and that's there's so many layers to that because he's conflicted because this is a dream come, literally a dream come true, and also the end of a different dream coming to an end. You know, or the, yeah, another dream coming to an end at the same exact time, and that's that's tough for himself, but also it also puts him in an awkward situation where He's obviously thrilled about being drafted, but you know he's probably in a position where he doesn't want to show it because the rest of his teammates are probably pretty crushed, and that puts him in a tough. Now his teammates probably understand; they wish they were in his shoes in that regard. But that doesn't mean it's not tough on that kid. So um, that's that's where my mind went immediately. I like you. I'm kind of dubious about necessarily this being any sort of game changer as far as interest in the draft or fan interest. And you point you've made here around the office is that. Wednesday of College World Series week, like, okay, maybe they bring the teams in a little bit early, or at least the, the, the pertinent players from those teams in a little bit early. But it's not as if fans are typically, many of whom did not know their teams were going to be, you know, in Omaha until that Monday. It's a two-week event, and you're now asking fans to show, or like, you're, at, you're, you're, you're thinking that fans are going to show up or you would be asking fans to show up two days before anything happens, and they're already having to take off work, presumably, to attend the College World Series. And now you're dropping this in on a Wednesday evening. So it's going to entirely fall, I think, on the people in the Omaha area to come out. And now maybe they find a way to um, you know, cut a deal with the, the Storm Chasers, the AAA team in Omaha, or College World Series, um, you know, season ticket holders, whatever they actually call those, that group. It's not season tickets. Booklet holders, whatever they yeah, are. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Maybe they, they find a way to, to give those, those groups of people a deal to get them in the auditorium. But you're now asking, no one pays right now to attend the MLB draft. There are some people there. They're usually just like relatives of um, you know, the, the few players that they get. Uh, but now you're asking... You're asking people to, to attend the draft now for the first time. So what, what is that going to look like? Um, there's a lot of talk about how you'll get more college players in attendance at the draft, which has previously really been a problem. But the thing is, getting any players in attendance at the draft hasn't been easy because there's a group of advisors that believe that you know going to the draft shows intent to sign and so then that impacts their leverage in negotiations and so they you know the players even high school players they they get four or five of them is all and you know so last year in Omaha there were four first rounders there were um, I believe four players at the draft in Secaucus so you've doubled that sure but you got eight out of 30 32 whatever it is that's not a great number. And so, you know, it's going to be random somewhat in who, who's in Omaha, who's not in Omaha. Uh, the fact that they moved the Golden Spike ceremony to Omaha this year meant that, um, you know, you 
maybe you could have had Adley out there because Adley came came uh, despite Oregon State not making it. So that adds another guy. But you know, we're still talking about at most having a third of the players there at the draft. And that if if that's what you're aiming for here, I, I don't think that that moving the draft is is really going to change a whole lot of that. Um, you know, it, it's just going to be tough because any player that's not advancing to Omaha isn't going to know that they didn't advance to Omaha very early on. They're, they're all going to want to believe, no, we're, we're going to make it. And so that they can't, in, at, you know, in May, commit to being there. So then it's, well, you, you probably have alternative draft plans and, and everything. And I, I just don't know. Certainly in year one, this is not going to, to be a game changer. I'm skeptical that in year five, if we make it that long, that it will be. But at least things have changed in terms of when the draft is held, that it won't overlap with, with tournament games. And the fact that it's on a Wednesday means hopefully no one is playing high school baseball then because that has happened before as well, uh, particularly when it's early in June that you know some northern states are still playing their state tournaments. And um, I don't know, I've never seen anyone playing at exactly the same time as the draft, but certainly that day. And, and hopefully now we just eliminate all of that. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with all this is, is as someone who is a pragmatist and incrementalist, like, I just like that, look, we're moving in the right direction and there's still, you know, issues here. And it's, I don't think it's necessarily going to be the bonanza that, that maybe some folks think it'll be, but we're, it, it is a definite step in the right direction from a college standpoint, it fixes a problem. And so in that regard, I, I do think this news was a, was, a, was a real positive for the sport, certainly from the college perspective. In general, also, I'll finish up with this. Is it's good to see MLB and NCAA find a way to work together. The relationship has certainly improved in the last few years. This is the latest sign of that. But MLB staged the game between the Tigers and the Royals in Omaha last year. Uh, they got involved in the MLB 4 tournament, which they didn't really create, but they helped find a home for and put on MLB Network and are now like in charge of now going forward. The, that first grouping of teams last year was already playing a tournament. It was supposed to be in Puerto Rico. After the hurricane, they were looking for a spot. MLB helped them find a spot, helped make it be talking stick, um, and now likes what they have and it, it is is helping this tournament extend into the future. So all of this is a sign that things are getting better between these two entities. Obviously things need to continue to get better, um, but the, the, the fact that, that they were able to come together for this, whether or not it makes a, a huge difference in either of these products in the immediate or even in the medium term remains to be seen. And we can be skeptical about that, but it is good just to see a working relationship come back between th these two very powerful and very important pieces of the baseball universe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly that's, that's um, I think it shows signs of, of growth there that this is something they were able to kind of compromise on and come together on. Certainly it's a relationship that uh, we'll need to continue to see get stronger and, and move forward as well. So uh, in total agreement there. Okay, so that is something we're going to be monitoring here, uh, and we will certainly have people at the draft in Omaha. Uh, we'll, we'll see exactly who among us is there on that Wednesday, but uh, Baseball America will be covering that. So uh, stay tuned for that. Continue to check BaseballAmerica.com for all the latest on, on your draft news and on your college news. We, uh, we, we always are trying to stay on top of, of the latest in, in all of these, these spheres of the baseball world. And remember while you're there to check out the store, uh, you can pre-order uh, the Baseball America Prospect Handbook and uh, check out the rest of our uh, book offerings as you, you look for last minute, or not so last minute, we're not really to last minute yet, Christmas presents. We as a podcast may or may not be back next week. I am uncertain right now of the schedule. Uh, like I mentioned, we are working to finish the handbook. Um, we may prioritize that over, over the podcast uh, this next week. And to ensure that, that you get the, the latest edition as, as quickly as possible, um, 
remember that you can subscribe on any of your favorite podcasting apps, be that Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts, you can find us. You can also find me and Joe on Twitter. I am at Ted Cahill. Joe is at Joe Healy BA. Thank you again to Navy coach Paul Kostakopoulos for joining us on the podcast today. We will see you again here on the podcast at some point, maybe later this month, maybe in the new year. Either way, uh, you know where to find us. So thank, thank you to, to Costi, thank you to Joe, and thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Baseball America College Podcast. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.